Wow, we can laugh at that, but I wonder how many of you have had a friend or family member you so wanted to reach the Lord, you've thought about a, a strategy like that. It's not a great idea, okay? Let's just go on record right now. While we understand the world and those who are apart from Christ are headed to eternal death, let me be clear, that's not a suggested idea of how we're going to do that. I, I'm still echoing a little bit, so I don't know what they're going on. Um, so what do you do, though? What do you do whenever you want to reach the world with the hope of Jesus? We must unleash the hope that he gives us. We, we have to get to the point where we trust God's power, the Holy Spirit living us, the word that he gives us to make a difference, to display what Christ has done. Uh, Jesus died for our sins. We, we have to make this plain that he arose from the grave, giving us hope of life after death as victor, victorious over sin and death. Uh, see, when we share what Jesus has done, we, we share his story that changed history forever. It's called the good news, that Jesus died so we could live. That, that, that's his story. Uh, this year, if you've been a part of our church from January, uh, you've probably grabbed a hold of Quest 52. It's 52 different weeks of studying more and more about Jesus and learning about his story. This week, we're on chapter 35. So if you've got one of those books, uh, grab forward to chapter 35 or, or come back and you can join us where we're going to be uh, learning how to effectively share the good news and unleash the hope of, of God all over the world. Uh, the word gospel or good news literally means news of great joy. Uh, during the Roman Empire, when, when Rome was at its pinnacle, they would release gospels over the entire empire, and they were really messages of hope inside that Roman kingdom. Uh, they may be a message about uh, Caesar, or they may be a message about taxes, and, and they would release this. And if you heard the good news, it was your job as a, a Roman citizen to proclaim it, to share it. That is why Christ's story, when it began and he was born, the angel used that same vocabulary uh, to go out to the entire world at that time. Uh, some 2,000 years ago, listen to what the, the gospel says in Luke chapter 2 about the birth of Jesus. It says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Notice this. This was the first announcement of the Savior being born, and it's, it's good news of great joy for all people. And what was that good news? Verse 11 tells us, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The good news is that we have a Savior, and He has come to this earth to save us. And His story changes history forever, and it changes our story. So sharing the good news as followers of Christ is our mission. And most of you, if you've been a Christian for very long, you understand the assignment. But do we follow through with it? Do, do we share the story? Uh, why don't we share the story more often? That, that's really the question we're answering today. Oh, why don't we share the story? What, what makes it difficult to share the good news? I asked that question this week on social media and got a lot of different answers. They were all different, but most of the answers, probably 95% of them fit into one of two categories, basic categories. The first is this. Uh, a lot of the answers of why we don't share the good news fall into this, this idea of there's a fear factor. And I admit the fear factor can be real. It's this idea that if I try to share the good news, if I try to tell the story of Jesus, and if I don't do it in, in a, a, a way that is adequate, people are going to walk away more confused than when they started. Or people might reject me. People might ignore me and make fun of me. And so then what do we do? Often we do nothing. The second factor is a little bit even more radical. It's the freak factor. 
It's this idea that if you're known as a person that's often going to share the good news, you get worried and we get concerned that we're going to fall into the category of like radical uh, Bible-thumping pastors or maybe an occult-viewed uh, idea where we're sharing these messages where no one understands. And we look a lot like these people holding these signs. And this is what we don't want to be a part of. We, we think we're going to fall into these people that, that share these messages that, that God hates the world, he's the enemy of the world, and, and that, that we're doomed, we're going to hell, and it's not helpful. Let's admit before we move on, uh, jumping out of a plane with a friend and saying you're not going to pull the chute or holding these type of signs is not helpful. It's not God's story. It, it's not the good news. But I believe at the core, we can get past our fear pretty quickly. We, we can get past the idea of, of being identified as a, as a, a freak, which, which sometimes is okay. We, in the world, when we share the goodness of Jesus, we're going to be misunderstood. We've got to get to the point where we're not concerned about that. But as we share the good news, we must be ready to, to proclaim the truth. Here, here's probably the bigger question. Instead of fear or being a freak, here, here's the thing we've got to wrestle with. Why? would we share the good news? The older I get, the more I understand that why is the, really the question we need to ra- wrestle with often. Why would we share his story? Because Jesus tells us why. Look at John three sixteen, where Jesus gives us the why. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is the why, that God is not our enemy, but he loves us so much that he, he gave his son so that we might live. He gave his son to the world, and we're to share that with the world. So who's the world? Just, just check these off the box. It is your annoying neighbor. It is your crazy coworker. It is that strange stranger that you're going to meet this afternoon that asks you why in the world you went to church. These are the people that Jesus died for and we're to share the gospel with, the good news. By the way, it's your grandkids and your spouse and your cousin. It's everyone. We're to to share the gospel with these people. Why? Because Jesus said so. Now, that's not a very good answer for most people in today's culture. We don't like to be told what to do by anyone. But if anyone has the authority to tell us what to do, it's Jesus. And some of you are like, I, I, Jesus doesn't tell me what to do. What gives him the authority? Well, look what it says in Scripture. And I just want you to consider this. If you are a believer of him, this, he says he has the authority. In Matthew 28, it says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus, how can you claim you have authority? Well, this is the main reason. He died and came back to life. Next time you see someone else that's died and came back to life, uh, they probably have some authority. Jesus had that. He had that ultimate authority from God. Look, Look what it says next. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus asked us to. He says, I've died for you. I've come back to life. And I have authority from God. And I want you to go be my witnesses. In fact, that's exactly what he said is recorded in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. These same instructions to to go into the world, to, to baptize, to teach. He says this, and you will be my witnesses. 
We are Jesus' ambassadors. We are Jesus' representatives. We are actually the people speaking up for him throughout the world. The early church did that. When, when they were given these, uh, uh, this assignment, they went out from Jerusalem and to Judea and to the ends of the earth, all the way to places around the world like Greenville and Pocahontas and Mulberry Grove and Hillsboro and Carlisle and every little place in between. The message of the good news of Jesus went out, and now we have that same opportunity and responsibility they did it. We can do it as well. It's time for us, you and I, to get past our fear factor. What if I fail? The Word of God says He'll be with us. It's time for us to get past our freak factor concern and the fact that we're, the world's going to think we're crazy. A newsflash, most of us, we already are viewed as crazy by the world. Amen? At least the Grabers are, I know. Here's the reality. It's okay to be different. It's okay to stand up. In fact, we're called to, to share the good news. But, but how do you do it? So if we know the why Jesus was sent by God because he loves us, what are the nuts and bolts? We're going to look at some of those today. In Quest 52, chapter 35, the author Mark Moore gives us 12, 10 plus 2, 12 different tools based on God's word to be an effective evangelist. So I thought today we'd slow down here a little bit and go through all 12 over the next hour and 20 minutes. So buckle up. We're not going to do that, okay? We're going to look at three things that are the foundation to those 12 tools. And this week you can pick up one of those books. I'll, I'm going to send out an email and put it on social media, these other 12 things. But at the foundation, even before those 12 things, I think there are three truths that you can live out, that you have to live out to share the hope, to unleash it. Here's the first one, and you can all do this. You probably already all already do this. You know it. You need to know your story. You need to know your story about how God changed your life and saved you through Jesus. This is not hard. Each of you can know this before the end of the day. You might like, I don't even know my own story. Well, you're the one that's living it. So, so know it. It's this idea that you know where you were and where God has taken you through the power of Jesus. I would put it this way. This is the idea uh, of who I was, but this is now who I am in Jesus. It's often the most powerful thing that anyone can share with another person. You can go to school for years and years and years and know all the theological concepts and, and vocabulary, and you can share that with someone at Subway restaurant today, and they'll walk away like, I don't know what that guy was talking about. You can go and uh, tell your friend about all the things the preacher said today at school or at work, and, and you're like, if you don't live it, it's not going to matter. But there's an amazing thing happen when you say, this is who I was, and now this is who I am in Jesus, and I'm changed. It happened this week, I think, in the biggest conversation of the week. There is um, a podcast host named Joe Rogan. And I, I believe he has more listeners than any other uh, person in the world today, just, just in him, him talking and telling stories and, and having conversations. This week, Joe Rogan had a, a new up-and-coming artist on his podcast named Oliver Anthony. Anybody ever seen Oliver Anthony or Joe Rogan? Know who these guys are? Good. First service, there was two, okay? But Joe Rogan had Oliver Anthony on this week, and Oliver Anthony is this rising kind of country folk artist, bluegrass. He wrote a song. It went to Billboard number one, the first time in history that someone went to number one the first week who had never been on the billboards before, and he's still there, I think. He's getting a lot of attention because he is telling a story. 
Uh, the little bit about Oliver Anthony that I know, he really suffered from anxiety and depression and, and not thinking he had value. Uh, he, he was drinking a lot. He was uh, working hard, and he wasn't m- amounting to, to what he wanted to amount to. And he began to fulfill his purpose in life by singing songs from the heart. And so Joe Rogan this week said, man, I want to know your story. So he invited him on the show. Now, Joe Rogan's shows are often like two hours long. I have not watched all this, but this was a very compelling clip I want to share with you because Joe Rogan uh, says to Oliver Anthony, I've heard about your background and the legend of who you are and where you've come from, but I want to hear from you. And notice what Joe Rogan asked Oliver Anthony about his story. Watch this clip. So over the next like hour, he continues to tell a story and how Jesus changed his life. He ends up reading uh, from the book of Proverbs, and Joe Rogan's like, man, that's profound. Joe Rogan is a, a devout atheist. He has been very uh, vocal about how he doesn't believe God is real. But in uh, Oliver Anthony's story, you could see Joe Rogan in all of his power and position and uh, uh, popularity. He is being, I believe, drawn to the life-changing power of God. The world knows when life's changed, we, we want to hear it. One of the most powerful tools you have is telling your story. Now, it's different than Oliver Anthony's, but people are curious about how God changed your life. We see all throughout Scripture of people's life change. One of the most dramatic life change stories happens in John chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to John chapter 9. It's this story about a guy who was blind. As for as long as anyone knew, he was always blind. In John chapter 9, this gentleman who's blind has an encounter with Jesus, and before long, Jesus healed him. Jesus changed his life. He gave him a hope that changed everything. He, He could physically see. But the religious leaders of the day were like, hey, you can't be changed in this way by this guy. This guy, uh, the way he changed you and everything is all wrong. This was all sinful. They, They encountered this guy, and they questioned about it. And he says, no, Jesus is the one who changed me. We pick up a story in John chapter 9, verse 24. This is the second time they interview this guy, and it's not like Joe Rogan. These religious leaders are wanting to debunk, uh, wanting to make it a myth of what happened to this, this man. But listen to what this guy says. For the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. So here's what's happening. They're like, okay, we're giving you a second chance. We, we want to give you an ability to do what's right. Give glory to God and denounce that this is from Jesus. The man answered, whether he is a sinner or not, one thing I do know that I was blind and now see. He says, I was blind And now I see. I I don't know what else to say about Jesus right now, but my story is he changed my life. That should be what we communicate to others. We should be excited how Jesus changed us. You're like, well, Tyson, that's not my story. I've always been able to see. I've always really been pretty blessed. I grew up in the church. I guarantee you, though, because you're human, I know this is true through God's word, that each of us, no matter how blessed our lives have been, there was a time when we did not honor God and we were living our own way. And in our sin, we were headed to hell. And then Jesus, with our faith in him, gave us a gift of life through salvation, by his blood, by his sacrifice. Each and every one of us have this basic story that we have been saved by grace. I know that's my story. I just want you to know my story for a second. It's not as flashy as Oliver Anthony's, but I am a sinner saved by grace, and I was lost in my sin, but Jesus 
change my eternal destination forever through what he did for me on the cross. And when I accepted him as my Savior, my life is forever brand new, and I am saved by grace. The fact that Jesus died for me on the cross and the fact he died for you allows us to have this story. I want, you to put, I want you to see it in a very simple form. You know, I do rebel against going into public and just making bold statements that, that really don't have any context, like this, the fact that we saw on the screen earlier that, like, God is your enemy and you're going to hell without a conversation. It's just not very helpful. I'm going to show you, though, the sign for my story. Here's the first part of my story. Until I was about 10, I was dead in sin. This is my story, that, that I was dead in my sin and headed to hell, doing my own things, and no matter how innocent it may have been, whenever I rebelled, when I did what I wanted to do, God uh, began to count my sins against me. But then I heard about Jesus and what he did for me as a young boy, and I put my faith in him, and now this is the other side of my story. I'm alive in Christ. It's that simple. I was dead in my sin, and now I'm alive in Christ because of what Jesus did. That's the good news. This basic story is the story that each believer has in Christ, that we have been changed and saved from our sins, saved from death. That's my story. It can be your story. It's simple. It needs to be told. So let me ask you, do you know your story? And if you're not alive in Christ, why not? What's holding you back? According to the truth of God's word, all of our stories started this, the fact that we are sinners, able to be saved by grace. And in fact, listen to this from God's word. It tells us about our story in Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace you have been saved by faith, through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it's a gift of God. Here's what I've noticed in history about who I am. Whenever I receive a gift, and it's good, especially something I don't deserve, something better than I could ever have on my own, I want to tell others. Like the gift of my children. I, I want to share uh, the gift of who they are with others. I, I share uh, the, the gift of how uh, Tiffany has blessed me. I, I don't deserve a wife and a children like that. When I receive a gift, I want to tell. It, it may be a dirt bike when I was a boy or something in the future that, that I receive that I don't deserve. I want to tell others. This is a hundred million times more important to talk about because we don't deserve to be made alive in Christ. But do we talk about it? The first thing is you got to know your story. But it's not enough just to know it. You need to live it. If we're going to share God's hope with the world effectively, we've got to live a godly story. What happens when we know what God has done, but we don't live it? You know what we become? Hypocrites. Let's try this. How many of you have ever been a hypocrite uh, throughout your life? Raise your hand. If your hand's not raised, it's likely you've been living it right now, okay? It's just... <laughs> just the way it goes. You know, we, we pretend to know it all. We pretend to do a certain thing. The reality is if we know the story and we don't live it, we become hypocritical. And the world's like, I don't want anything to do with that. So once you know your story, you got to live a godly story. So how do you do that? You set out to live a life through the power of the Holy Spirit that honors God, to resist temptation and to live a pure life like Jesus. Because our goal uh, to, to know the good news has to be to share it. We, we have to, to display it to the world. The good news is understood. It's worth sharing. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 5. Here, here's, our, here's our assignment. You are the light of the world. And that's a big task. 
The world is becoming a darker and darker place. But what's cool about this, uh, what, it gives us an opportunity. The darker the world gets, the, the more we can display the light of Jesus, the more people will be uh, naturally and obviously attracted to listen to our message. Uh, the way I can explain it to you, uh, this week my mom called me. Um, I don't know what night it was. It was, it was about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock her time. She says, you've got to get outside. What, what was outside? Does anybody know what was outside this week? The moon. Anybody, how, raise your hand if you saw the bright moon this week. It was amazing. So I went outside, and, and it, it was maybe the brightest moon based on the clarity of the sky and its intensity that I'd ever seen. And the world is attracted to that. In the same way and more, when the dark world around us kind of really begins to, to loom, when we display and reflect Christ, people are drawn to it. So Jesus says, you're the, the light of the world. You're, you're to reflect me. He says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, your light, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to slow down just for a moment. It says, be a light. Let others see your what? I'm still going with Ben. Participate here today, okay? Be a light and let others see your what? Your good deeds. Notice it doesn't say, uh, be a light and let others see your theologically uh, uh, proper concept. Notice it doesn't say, uh, be a light and let others see your uh, high position on the church board. It doesn't say that. Notice it doesn't say, uh, be a light and, and show others your, uh, uh, your family genealogy. Notice it doesn't say, be a light and show them your bank account. It says, be a light and show others and let them see your good deeds so they may glorify God. Here, here's the reason I highlight this. Your good deeds, your service to the kingdom of God and serving others give you a voice to share the good news. When people see us acting Christ-like, it brings them to question what's different about them. On the flip side of this, your sin will silence your witness. It goes back to that hypocritical thing. When we say, hey, I've got the answer to the world, and I, I can really show you hope, but we're living a sinful life, you're like, I don't want to hear what you say. You, you are uh, being hypocritical at that point, and, and your voice will be silenced. So what type of uh, actions are you showing the world let me ask you this what does your life reflect if we're the moon in the, this illustration are we reflecting the light of christ or are we reflecting the darkness of this world uh, with sin and evil well, what does your life reflect good or evil how will you be remembered what will you be remembered for what is your life displaying that people are really going to praise or celebrate? Uh, think back to uh, if you've ever been to a, a funeral or a memorial service. What are those people remembered for? How will you be remembered? What do you want to be remembered for? I mean, you might as well tell me because it's likely 50-50 chance I might do your funeral someday. <laughs> what, what do you want to be remembered for? This is a concept the world is, is really kind of leaning into right now. 
There's this reality that we all will have a day when this life is done. Uh, Tim McGraw has this new song out. It's not quite as popular as Oliver Anthony's song, but it has a good meaning in it. It's called Standing Room Only. Anybody heard Tim McGraw's Standing Room Only? I didn't love it at first, but it's growing on me because it, answer, it asks this question, what am I going to be remembered for at my funeral? Is it going to be standing room only, or, or is it going to be one of those events where like, hey, I'm kind of glad he's gone. You've been there. And both places. Look what Tim McGraw's song says. It says, I want to live a life like the dollar and the clock on the wall don't own me. I want, to li- I want to live a life that matters, where I'm not just punching the clock to make a dollar. I want to live a life that impacts others. I want to shine a light. I want to shine a light like Mama's front porch when I'm lost and lonely. I want to help people when, when they're hurting, when they're broken. I want to be that type of person. Uh, I want to start forgiving and start forgetting to be somebody that's worth remembering. Live a life so when I die, there's standing room only. You know, I... I think the world's asking the right questions, but it's really not leaving us with all the answers. Dee and I have both done funerals where the room's packed. But if all Dee and I can say when, when your funeral comes and, and the room is full with people that appreciated you, if all we can say is they were a good guy or there was a, a nice woman, that is going to break our hearts because really what matters is that we belong to Christ and we have been saved. Our life has been changed by him. So no matter if you have all these glorious awards and, and all these resources of the world and all these friends, unless you belong to Christ, it, it's going to break our hearts. What will you be remembered for? Uh, are you doing the things that shine a light on the good news and get, bring God glory? Or are you just doing the things that are going to make you out to be a good guy? You might say, well, I'm, I'm a good guy. I, I'm a biblical person. What that means is I know the Bible. Being biblically correct must lead us to be Christ-like. I know a lot of Christians over the years that that know the ins and outs of the Bible much better than I, but I do not want to fall in their footsteps because they're not following Jesus. You can know the Bible, but if it doesn't lead you to be changed, to have a moment where you're dead in your sin and alive in Christ, it's not worth much. There are people that are biblically correct but hurt the kingdom of God. So so what are you going to be remembered for? I want you to to know this, to hear this. As your preacher, pastor, as a friend in Christ, it is not easy to live like Jesus. There are times we're going to make mistakes. That's where grace comes in. But there are going to be times when we have to say, hey, I, I don't want to continue this. I want to to live to bring God glory, to live in such a way that the good news would be evident in my life, to live in such a way that people could tell, I know I've been changed, I'm living like I've been changed, and it leads us to a point where we can share how we've been changed. So here's what I want to close with today. Not only do you need to know your story to live a godly story, but you got to share your story. When you know what God has done in your life, people start asking questions. When people know that you're different, people start asking questions. You, you see it this week in, in Joe Rogan, uh, this guy who's an atheist uh, who has made great statements of, of a lack of faith. He says, did you really have a moment where Jesus changed your life? And he was able to say, yes. I went from a man broken with so much anxiety and stress, my heart hurt, to, to I'm free. I'm really living with joy. I wonder if you've ever experienced that before, and I hope you have. 
where someone comes up to you and says, man, I see you're so blessed, you're so full of joy, you're so happy, you're, you're so uh, at peace. Ben was just talking about this. I, I have this hope that lets me rest. Uh, if someone says, where does that come from? What are you drinking? What, what are you smoking? What are you reading? What are you doing different? And you're just like, Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not always in the blessings, though. It's not always in the moment where things look good. More times than not, from my experience, there's moments where your life falls apart. Hear me on this. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe it's the tragedy of a disease. Maybe it's a divorce and a, a family member you're close to. And even in the midst of that pain, you hold it together and you have hope and peace. And people come to you and like, what are you doing? How are you doing this? It's Jesus. Some of you have went through such hard times Maybe it's a, a sick sister or brother. And, and someone comes to you and you're like, in the midst of your family member being so uh, sick and facing death, how do you pull through? And, and, and your answer may be tempted to say, well, well we talk every day. We're, we're really strong. That's not the core of it. It's Jesus. Maybe it's a point in your life when, when you lose your job and financially things are uh, looking destitute and, and by the ways of the world, it should be over. And some people say, how are you getting through this? And you're like, well, I've got an application out there and things are going to be fine. No, that's not the answer. It's Jesus. And do we say that? Does it matter that we have good relationships? Yes. Does it matter you're willing to work hard and keep pushing forward? Yes. But when push comes to shove, we've got to share our story that it's Jesus who changes things. There's going to be a point where people ask if you're living for him. Look what Peter says in 1 Peter 3. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you have. Be ready to give an answer and let it be known it's Jesus. The Bible makes it clear it's Jesus who changes things. And we, we need to be ready to speak for him. Look what, look what Jesus says himself in Matthew 10. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will acknowledge before the Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. I believe we're deceived right now in our world, not just in the world, but specifically as Christians in the church. We have been uh, falsely led to believe that if we live a godly life for, say, 30, 40 years, our neighbors and family and friends will know that we must have been a follower of Christ and we really don't have to ever say anything. That's not true. Jesus says in the scripture, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge in heaven. There's a point where we have to acknowledge him with our mouths. And this gets scary again, because it would be easier for me to tell you, hey, know your story and be a good person, and it's okay. But God takes us to the next level. He says, know your story, be a godly person, and tell others about Jesus. And it's not just pastors or elders or Sunday school teachers. He is calling you to know your story, uh, to live a, a godly story, and to share your story with your mouth. The word acknowledge here, I want to focus on it for a moment. It is from the Greek word uh, logos that literally means the word, what we often think about the Bible, the logos. But the, the root for this word acknowledge here uh, literally means to share it with your voice. Some of the other words that went with this, to speak out freely, to declare openly, to profess with our tongue. There comes a point when God knows that we need to speak up for him. Acknowledge literally means to use your voice. The, the next word in there, deny, is more about lifestyle. 
He says, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before the Father in heaven. You can deny Jesus without ever saying a word. But he is saying, if you want to acknowledge me, you got to speak up. Some of you are thinking right now, but I don't know how to get started. How do I speak up for him to share? Look what John says in John 1, 1 John 1. He says, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard. I mean, you don't even have to go further than this. What you need to start doing to be ready to share is just say what you've seen and heard. You're just like, well, I don't know very much. Well, do you know that you were dead in your sin and alive in Christ? If you know that, share it with others. He says, we proclaim what we've seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us so you can be in the family. And we have fellowship with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. Tell your story that I was changed. One of the greatest life change stories in all of the Bible is when Saul was changed to Paul by a meeting with Jesus. Remember, Saul was this uh, persecutor of the church. He uh, witnessed, he gave authority to people being stoned, even as Christians. And then Jesus came to meet him and his life was forever changed. That's who we're talking about here. Saul uh, was changed to Paul by Jesus. And often when he was questioned, he didn't talk about all of his credentials. He didn't talk about how theologically bright he was. He just told a story. I want to read a portion of a story from 1 Corinthians right now, chapter 9. The paraphrase that I'm reading is called the message, and it just puts it in language that's very real. Look what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9. He says this, Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily became a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, the religious, non-religious, meticulous, uh, moralist, loose-living immoralist, the defeated and the demoralized, whoever. He says, I, I will tell my story to anyone how they can hear it. I didn't take... I didn't take on their way of life. He says, I, I was with them, but I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. He says, I, I went and lived with them. I have become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. He says, I've made my life about connecting with people and to tell my story. I did all this because of the message, the good news. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. You talk about, we started the day about being excited, about coming here to worship, hearing the word. Paul is excited here. He goes, I just didn't live my life so I could uh, talk about it. He says, I wanted to be in on it. He goes, this excites me. And he wrote most of the New Testament and converted thousands and thousands of people to Christ by telling a story. He knew a story. He, he began to live a story, and he shared a story. You can do the same. Paul says here, I became all kinds of a servant, all kinds of people. Uh, the NIV translates it this way. He says, I become all things to all people that I might save some. What he's basically saying, if somebody wants to talk about football, I'm going to talk about football. If somebody wants to talk about like a frozen meal plan or fried chicken, I'm going to talk about that. Whatever it is to connect them to a message of Jesus Christ, I'm going to go there. In fact, we need to be ready to go there to the point we would do anything short of sin to get the message of Jesus out there. Does that mean we're going to do radical things? Absolutely. We're going to be relevant for the sake of Christ to connect people to the, and unleash the, the power of the hope that they have in the good news. So I'm going to clo close quickly today. challenge you to do three things. Know your story. 
of how Jesus changed you and made you alive in Christ. Live a godly story. Uh, ask God to help you through the Holy Spirit to, to, to be more holy, to, to do uh, things that are consistent with, with, with the way Jesus lived. And then finally, share your story. You might be here today and you're like, I don't have anything to share because I've not been changed. You can be changed today. If you realize that you are a sinner who is lost and you've heard about the good news of Jesus that he came to save you and you accept that, today can change your life forever by receiving him as your savior. And you know your story, you can live it, and you can share it with others. Would you stand with me as we pray? Today I want you to know if you have a decision to make, you, you can come forward. D and I would love to talk to you, maybe talk to a friend that brought you and say, I, I want this to be my story that I'm alive. If you're a long-term believer, I want you to begin to prepare to know your story better so you can share it. Father in heaven, I pray that we would know the truth of our stories, that we would know how much you loved us, that you came into this world to save us. Help us to know it, to live it, and to share it. Lord, if someone is here today and they've never accepted the truth of the gospel in their life, that they've never accepted Jesus, I pray that they would just start by saying, hey, what I've seen and heard today is good, and I need this. I need to be changed. I'm ready to go from a state of worry to a state of hope because of Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.